I want to look very briefly. I'm, I'm going to be short tonight. I promise I'm not going to do a word study on any one of these words. I want to look at five words tonight. Um, and I'm barely going to bump into all of them. may come back and do a, a word study from each of the words at a later date. But that's not going to be the case tonight. We won't be in here very long at all. But if you want to turn in your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And we're going to look at verse 29 and verse 30. And I'm going to look specifically at five words in those two verses. For whom he did foreknow, there's one of your words, he, did, he also did predestinate, there's another one of your words, to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Them who he called, them he also justified. That's a hallelujah right there. And whom he justified, he also glorified. I want to bring a very short message entitled, We're Already There. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this book. God, I thank you, Lord, for Lord, just the smile, for the joy, for the encouragement, for the life, for everything that this word is, everything that this book is, that it lets us see the hope of our future, God, that it doesn't matter what we face in this world, in this day, in the trials and the troubles, it's but a vapor, God. There's a promise of an eternity ahead, and this book paints that picture, and it shows us those things, God. I thank you for it, God. I pray now you'd help us, God. I pray you'd move amongst your people, God. I pray you'd give just a little glimpse of glory tonight, God. Just help us to see the things that you have in store. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So here in this short passage, these, these two little verses, what we see is a timeless past and an endless future. There are no bookends in God. He is without beginning and he is without end. Can anybody comprehend that? Can anybody comprehend without end? That one's hard enough. I, I grasped that a little bit. There's never going to be an end. We will live forever in the kingdom of God. That's very difficult, but somewhat, I guess, partially conceivable. But that other one, without beginning. Everything that, that we know of has a beginning but God. So, so we're dealing with this omnipresent, omniscient God who has no beginning and no end. Before time began, God was. Before time began, God already knew. There are ages yet to come, centuries, millenniums that have not yet been born that are coming, and God already knows all about them. Since God is omnipotent, which is all-knowing, and omnipresent, which is all places, all times, that means that he's everywhere now. That means that beyond the furthest star, he's there. Around the sun, he's there. Over behind the moon, he's there. Across the globe in China, he's there. Right down the street, he's there. Here at 552 Hammett Road, he's here today. But God is not bound by space or by matter 
or by time. So if you look back to yesterday, he's there. If you look at tomorrow, he's not going to be there. We're going to be there, amen, one way or the other. But he's already there. If you look into eternity future, he's already there. There are no bookends to our God. So before we were ever born, God already knew us. God already knew everything about us. The word foreknow comes from a Greek word. It means to know beforehand. That means that when Jesus allowed them to put him up on that cross, to hang him on that tree, he was already thinking about you and I. We were already on his mind. It's not like I'm just going to go ahead and die for whoever comes next. It was I'm going to do it for you personally. You were on the mind of God when he put his son on that tree. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So when Jesus died for my sins, he didn't only die for the ones that I've already committed. He didn't only die for the ones that I committed before I got saved. Now, I know some of them holy roller goody two-shoes said they ain't sinned since they got saved. Just did because they lying through their teeth. You can't drive in this town and not sin. There's too many people around here that can't drive. You can't keep pure thoughts. You can't even hardly stay home, but you sure can't get on the road around Trooper Herd County and keep pure thoughts. So he not only died for everything that I did before I got saved, he died for everything that I did since I got saved up to today. And as bad as I hate to think about it, as much as I wished I never would, I'm like, Paul, I do the things I don't want to do, and I find myself not doing the things that I ought to do, and I know before I die I'm going to disappoint my God again. And Jesus has already paid for that one. See, when he wrote down all my sins, he didn't say all the ones that I know of. I'm sure I've let God down a lot of times. I probably didn't even know it. I probably have gone past some things that I wasn't even half paying attention. And God was like, I really wanted you to do that. And you're so caught up in your own little world down there. You missed right by it. He paid for all of my sins. So whatever we have, whatever sins we look back, and we look in our past, we see our mistakes, we see our failures, that's called after knowledge. We look back at the things that we've done, and we have a knowledge of the things that has already happened. But God has a foreknowledge. God knew you were going to do it before you did it. And Jesus died anyway. Whatever the worst sin you've ever committed in your life. Now, worst sin based in your own eyes. Worst sin, sin is sin. Anybody say amen? Sin is separation from God. God doesn't see big sin, little sin. God sees sin and sin is against God. So whatever you've done in your life is evil and against God. But we certainly blow things up in our little world. Some sins are worse than others defined by our own human needs. But whatever you see, whatever you view as the worst sin that ever happened in your life up to this point, God forgave you for that before you ever did it. It was already done. Thank you. Thank you, God. Now, here's the difference in foreknowledge and afterknowledge. Both of them are based on the fact that something has happened or going to happen. Foreknowledge, afterknowledge, both are based on who's playing with the lights. We're doing, a, we're doing a laser show. Am I on the way? It suited me if it was off anyway. That thing blinds me. 
But both of them are based on the fact that things happen. As we live our lives, all kind of things happen. We, we establish things. We do things. As we look back, we see all those memories. We see all those things of the past, and we see the things that we remember. History books are written from things that have happened in the past. History books are written on facts, things that have been recorded. They're written on things that happened yesterday. All of that is after knowledge. God sees the exact same facts but he writes them down as prophecy before they ever happen. God's prophecy is just as true, if not more so, than the history books. A history book records as best as it can remember what happened the way that man can put it. But God, with complete accuracy, tells us what's going to happen in the future with no mistakes. Jeremiah chapter 1, y'all know the story. God came to Jeremiah in verse number 4. It says, The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, either turn that thing on or turn it off, or I'm going to move my podium. I feel like I'm in a light show up here. Do y'all, is that bothering y'all? Y'all see it blinking? If it ain't bothering you, I won't, I won't say another word about it. I had not seen Larry, and he's our light guy, so we may just have to deal with it. But it says, Jeremiah chapter 1, verse number 4, The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. That means, remember what we looked at sanctified this morning, didn't we? Sanctified is to be set apart for an holy purpose. That means that God has a purpose for you. He has a purpose for you for your life. He has something planned, something in store for every child of God, every person that's ever born. Whether you fulfill your plan or not does not change the fact God is no respecter of persons. What he did for one, he did for another. He died on the cross for one, he died on the cross for all. He has a plan for one, he has a plan for all. He's no respecter of persons. So that means that God is saying right here, before he was ever born, I had already sanctified you. You were already set apart. You already had a holy purpose before you ever came. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. That means that every person already has a call before we were ever born. God not only sees Jeremiah as being born, he sees everything that he's going to do. He sees everywhere that he's going to go, every place that he's going to be, every way that he's going to use him. God has all of it laid out. In verse number 6, he says, Jeremiah said, Oh, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I'm a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee. And whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. So God already sees him going, and God already sees him doing. How many of you know that serving God isn't always easy? Anybody ever run into any adversity? Anybody ever run into any trials? Anybody ever run into any tough nuts to crack, kind of like how we were when we were lost, before we got saved and didn't want to hear it. Anybody ever run into trials? Anybody ever been kind of handed it to you when you're trying to present the gospel? Anybody ever, ever told you, I don't want to hear it? Whatever you're selling, sell it to somebody else. I ain't selling nothing that's free. I'm trying to give it to you. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Verse number 8, Jeremiah chapter 1 says, Be not afraid of their faces, 
for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Whatever they said to you, God already knew they were going to say it. He had already seen their faces. He had already seen their rejection. He had already seen their hatred. He had already seen their bitterness. Whatever they said to you, God already knew it. But he sent you anyway. You know why? Because everybody's given the same opportunity. Everybody's given the same chance. He says, before you even go, they're going to give you some bad looks. They're going to have some mean looks on their faces. They're going to say some unpleasant things, but I've already seen their faces. I'm telling you, don't worry about what they say. Don't worry about the look on the face. I have ordained you to go do what you were born to do. I've already taken care of it. So we are foreknown. God brings us into the sphere of, of his wisdom. But then he says that we are predestined. So we are foreknown. That means before we were ever born, God knew us. He knew what our plan for our life would be. He knew what we were supposed to do. He, he had a plan drawn up how we would serve him. But we are also predestined. Let, let me put this one the word. He already knows whether or not you're going to heaven or hell before you're ever born. That bothered me for a long time. I used to couldn't understand that. I studied. I got so bothered by that word predestined. I studied. I read. I looked. I talked to preachers. I talked to pastors. I, I thought, how in the world could God predestine somebody to hell? How, how could God, what is predestined? What is the word predestined? It has to mean that God already knew. It's predestined. That means that God already knew that this person was going to be born. He knew their life. He knew they were going to reject. He knew the plans that he had for them, said the Lord. He knew everything that was in store. He knew they'd say no. He knew the look on their faces. He knew they would reject him, and he knew they'd go to hell. It's predestined. God, I don't get it. How did you predestine somebody? And I, I tried talking. I remember talking to Brad. Brandon Brooks for about a week, man. I kept asking him questions and questions, and we'd come to his office and talk. And after about a week, he finally said, "Brother, I don't know. I, I can't answer what you're asking me. I, I don't. I don't get it, God. God, I, I know that now. I know both of these men would have known the answer had God not hid it from them. I went right after that. I went to Costa Rica on a mission trip with Ray Ham. We went and I went down to um, Palma Norte. Went down and did a revival there and ray we were at the bronco lodge um several of you have been down there you know the bronco lodge but in one of the little cabins ray had put me in the room with him and i kept him up about half the night the next morning we walk out of the room he's all sleepy eyed and one of the guys comes out of the cabin next door and he says get your stuff put it in here yancey get your stuff and y'all swap rooms he asked me, he said, what did he do? He said, Joker kept me up all night. He said, I can answer anything you ask me. But he's asked me questions, don't have no answers. He kept me up all night asking me questions. He just swapped rooms. I realized that God was hiding that from them. And the reason I know that, because I spent about a year studying, diligent, hard, reading, learning, digging, researching, wanting to know, God, what does it mean? And what I now know is that God hid that from me. He deliberately would not let me find it. Do you know why? I learned so much in that year. I didn't learn what I wanted to know. 
But I learned what I needed to know. I learned what God wanted me to see. I learned what God wanted me to find. Had I not had that desire, had I not had that one thing that was bugging me so bad, listen, I'm just telling you, just sometimes because you can't find an answer in God's Word, and you're studying and you're praying and you're begging God to show you, and He don't show you, don't give up. Just keep on looking. Keep on studying because God's doing something in you. He's teaching you a whole lot more than what you're looking for. And so God spent about a year teaching me a multitude of things that I would have never learned had it not been for that. And then one day I forgot about it. Probably a year or so passed, and one day I'm sitting there studying. I'm looking for something totally different. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, God shows me predestined. I wasn't even looking for it. I had forgotten all about it. I finally gave up on it. But yes, before they were ever born, God knew they'd go to hell. They were, they were not predetermined. They had a choice, just like you and I had a choice. The blood of Jesus was sufficient. The price had been paid. The gift was offered, paid in full. It's yours for the taking. How many of you know that everybody won't receive the gift? It don't matter how many times you offer it to them, how many times they hear the gospel, how many times it's placed in front of them, how many times you plead, how many times you beg, how many times you cry, how many different people God sends their way. There are some who are going to die and go to hell because they rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ. They rejected the free gift of Calvary's cross. Their sins were never washed away. They were born separated from God. They died separated from God. And because of that, they'll go to hell. You know why God already knew that? Because he's already looking over there at the marriage supper of the Lamb and he sees whose seats are empty. He's already over there at the Lord's Supper. He's already over at the table. He's already over there in the kingdom. He's already past the thousand-year millennial reign. He's already on the other side of the battle of Armageddon. He's already out there, and he sees who's there and who's not. God is so big. Yes, what a God. God is so awesome that he can see all things at the same time. People had a choice. They weren't predetermined. They weren't sent to hell. They were given the same opportunity that you and I were given. They simply said, no, I don't want it. Isn't that a hard answer to get from people? Sometimes you talk to people so long, and you finally got to the water's edge, and you think, man, somebody's fixing to get saved. The whole now's the acceptable time, and they go, I'm just, I'm just not ready. <laughs> you what? I'm just not ready. Did you not just understand everything that come out of my mouth? You reject this gift. God never has to call you again. Except the man be drawn. Except the Holy Spirit draw you. You think I'm here talking to you by accident? You think I just met you for nothing? God sent somebody to you. We just spent an hour talking about sin and separation from God and hell, and you're going to go home and lie in that? And they do it every day. They do it every day. It's a rejected feeling, isn't it? Wow. So, predestined. God already knew. Ephesians 2, 4. It says, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, 
even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. And has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show forth the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Notice the present tense of that word there in verse number 6. It says that he made us to sit together. It didn't say we're going to be seated together. Anybody caught up with me yet? It didn't say it's going to happen. God said it already has. You're already there. God already sees you in your seat. He already knows what you're eating at the marriage supper of the Lamb. He says that we are made to sit together. The same gift that is offered to the redeemed is offered to every lost soul. The only difference is we took the gift. They rejected the gift. As far as God is concerned, it's already done. But then we see that we are called. Everybody's called. None is left out. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, right? Everybody's called. Acts 17.30 says that the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Revelation 22.16, Jesus said, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and the morning star, and the spirit and the bride say, come. Let him that heareth say, come. Him that is athirst, come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Everybody is called. The call is universal. The call is worldwide, ages-wide. There's no end to the call, but it's only effective when we come. So when he calls and we respond, our text goes on to the next word and says that we are justified. That means that for every sin that I have ever done or ever will do because of the blood of Jesus, it's justified, never done it. When God looks down, he says that we are justified. Justification is different than simple forgiveness. Forgiveness means that you had to admit your wrongdoing. Forgiveness means that we had to go to him. We went and we asked for forgiveness and we were forgiven. But not only were we forgiven, but our sins were washed away, erased, removed as far as the east is from the west, cast into the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered again. So not only are we forgiven, but our sins are totally and completely removed. I can forgive you. I just ain't going to forget. I'm sorry. I, I would try. But about the first time I even thought you start doing that again, my memory would get better than it normally is. Anybody know what I'm talking about? There's a difference between forgiveness and justification. Justification means that we are declared righteous by God so that even God himself can find no grounds on which to convict us. Justification means that our sins are removed in such a way that even when God looks at us, God can find no grounds on which to convict you. Because all he sees 
is Christ in us. When he looks on you and I, thank you, Jesus, he looks through the blood. And the blood doesn't just forgive my sins. The blood justifies as if I'd never done my sins. God says that we are justified. And then there's that word right there, glorified. Look at the text there again, Romans chapter 8. You still got your Bible open? Look at the text there again. The entire text is written in a past tense. Verse number 29 says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. Doesn't that mean it's already done? To be conformed to the image of his son so that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. It says that he did not he's going to do it. Not, not that in the future this is going to happen. This is an already done deal. That, that he did foreknow us, so he did predestinate us. But verse number 30, it says, Moreover, whom he did predestinate, past tense, them he also called. That's another past tense. Already been done. And whom he called, them he also justified. You're not going to be justified. Past tense. You already are. But whom he justified, them he also glorified. He's not going to glorify you. He already did. You already are. In all of our filth and all of our wickedness and all of our sin and all of our mistakes and all of our failures and everything that we do that we see as a disappointment, God looks through the blood of Jesus and he sees justified and he sees glorified and he calls us his children. We look at the future and we look there in the word of God at the future. That's what we have to look forward to. As far as God's concerned, it already is. We're not going to be seated in heavenly places. We already are. Second Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul said, As it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them. Y'all see that word? It says, the things which God is going to prepare. I messed that up, didn't I? It, the, the things which in the future, God's going to get around to it. One day after we get there, God will do the repairs. The things which God hath prepared, it's already done. Jesus said, I, I, I go to my father's house. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I'll come again and receive you unto myself where I'm there. You may be also. If I go, I'll come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there, you may be also. Nobody, nobody likes that? The place is already prepared. The Son of God is already there. The Holy Spirit is here, thank God. But he said, I'm coming to get you. And I'm going to take you to the place. And it says right here, that hath prepared for them that love him. Anybody love him? Anybody love the Lord? Anybody say thank you, Lord? Thank you for grace. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul says in verse 17, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, 
worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. There's so much to look forward to. There's so much in our future that's got so much good. All of eternity will be in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll be in the presence of the Father. We can enter into the throne room. Somebody ought to get excited about something. I wonder, I wonder if when we grumble, I wonder if we complain. In any, anybody have any troubles in your life? Anything not going just exactly hunky-dory, kind of like you'd like it? Financial troubles, wife troubles. You can't have no husband troubles. God forgive me. Lying in the pulpit. <laughs> anybody, anybody have any problems? Anybody ever have any things that, that pull you down? That they, they hold you back? They, they kind of get you to grumbling, talking out of the side of your mouth, get a little sideways. You know what I'm talking about? I wonder if God ever looks down at me when I'm grumbling. And he looks about a thousand years ahead over and sees me porking out at the Lord's supper table. And looks back. I wonder if he says, mm, mm, mm. what in the world do you have to complain about? Look at all of the sins I washed away for you. Look at, look at your house. Look at your car. Look at, look at your clothes. Look at the food you're eating. You pig. Look at all that I'm doing for you now. And you can't even see over there what I'm looking at. I see you over here in a robe. You got a signet ring on your finger. You got a crown on your head. Because of the Son of God, you got all that stuff over here for all of eternity. And you complained because that one little something didn't go the way you thought it ought to go. I wonder if God ever looks at us that way. I wonder, I wonder if it would change. Now, I, I don't know how to do this. If I did, I would do it, and then I wouldn't be one of the ones grumbling. But I just wonder if there was a way when things weren't going really good and the situation just wasn't like we thought it ought to be, the financial situation's bad or something the young'uns has done or or, or, or something that, that's pulling us down. The, the day is going bad. I wonder if we could just stop and mentally look a thousand years forward. Whew. Where you're going to be <laughs> and who you're going to be with. There will be no evil. There'll be no presence of evil. There won't be a wicked thought in your mind. When I see him, I shall see him as he is. For I shall be like him, for I shall see him as he is. There won't be an evil thought in my mind. I can't even comprehend that. I wonder if in the midst of a trouble, if we could just stop and look at it the way God sees it and just take a little 
thousand-year gleam at where I'm going to be. I ain't even got to look a thousand years. I'm pretty sure knocking on the door of 60, I, I, I probably could narrow that down to about where I'm going to be inside of 50 years. And it's going to be the same place. I ain't got to look all that far off. I'm probably a lot closer to there than I was at the beginning of this thing. I wonder if it would change our perspective. I am already justified. I've been called and I answered the call. I am already glorified. When God looks at it, that's what he sees. Isn't that awesome? That so good. we got so much to praise God for. Can we stand up tonight? I, I, I want to take some time this evening. And I want to do a little bit like we do on Wednesday nights. I want to spend a little time in prayer. We've got some sick people. We've got two families that have lost loved ones in the last couple of days. Uh, one funeral was today. The other one will be Tuesday evening. Um, Ann King's brother passed away. You don't know Ann King's brother, but you do know Stephen and Ann King. Um, they're back in town this week for it. But that funeral visitation will be at Striffler Hamby tomorrow night from 6 to 8. It was a cremation. There won't be... I don't think there's a service. I think there's just a six to eight visitation. Um, but we, we've still got families. And matter of fact, there's been about six families in, in the past month um, that are dealing with a loved one that's gone on over to the other side. For them, it's all good. They're already in that place that we're dreaming about. But for the families here. So maybe we could take some time, pray for them. A couple of surgeries coming up this week. Take some time to, to tell God thank you for all that he's done and prayers that he's answered. Thank God that Philip had a baby. He's feeling so much better since he got that thing out. Big baby. Anybody who had a kidney stone understand and sympathize. Um, God answers prayers. Let's take some time to come down and tell him thank you for what he's already done for us and for what he is doing for us. Amen. Take some time in prayer. I want you, I want you to make sure after you've thanked him for a while, after you've praised him for a while, make sure you pray for extreme week. Pray for a hedge of protection about this campus. They've got all kinds of games and things planned over there. But, but pray that the Holy Spirit would be so thick on here that young people would be saved in middle school and high school. God make a difference in the lives of some young people. try to think up foolish ideas I've got an answer God can do anything God wants to do except for one thing 
and that is to remember your transgressions beyond the blood of Jesus Christ. He looks down on you and I, and he sees us joint heirs to the throne of Christ. All he sees is the redeemed. If he never did anything else for us, that's more than we'd ever deserve. easy to think that when Jesus stepped down off that throne looked at the angels and said I'll be back 33 and a half years I'll be, I'll be right back I'm going to go do something that he could look down at every sin that everybody in this room did and he could see them all he could see all the wickedness and all the filth and all the failures and all the disappointments everything that we did against God and say that's the reason I'm going I'm going for them. The ones that would persecute him, the ones that would say they hated him. They said, I'm going for them. <laughs> of such were some of you, but you have been washed, but you have been justified, but you have been sanctified in the Spirit of our God. Thank you, Lord. Let me ask you real quick. We're going to have heads bowed, eyes closed just for a minute. If there's anybody in this place, you do not know that Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior. You do not know that if you died tonight, you'd go to heaven. I promise you, I'll not embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. You slip your hand up right where you are. I do not know that if I died tonight, I'd go to heaven. Slip your hand up right where you're at. I just want to pray for you. I don't want anybody to leave here not knowing that you know that you know. God, thank you so much. Lord, I thank you that by the testimony of everybody in this place, Lord, by the fact that nobody raised their hand, they've said that I am a child of God. I've been washed. I've been redeemed. I've been justified. I've been glorified. God, thank you so much. We can come together as brothers and sisters in Christ. We can come together to worship you and to praise you, God. Lord, I pray you'd help us, Father, to love one another the way that your word commanded us to, God. Your word says, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you have love one for another. I pray you'd help us to love one another. God, I pray you'd help us to not stop there, because you said even the Pharisees do things like that. God, you said that we're to love the enemy. Pray for those that spitefully use you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you. Father, today we pray for the lost. We pray for that one out there, Lord, that'll do the rebuke. We pray for the one this week, God, that you're going to put before us. I ask you to make us usable vessels, Father. I pray you take everybody in this building, put somebody before us this week that's lost and on their way to hell that needs to hear the truth of the gospel. You use us, Father, to tell them the truth, God. And I pray now for the ones that will snarl at us. I pray now for the ones that will reject, God. I pray that the Holy Spirit would go before us and soften some hearts, God. Lord, I pray you'd help us, Lord, to be a blessing to somebody. May people see Christ in us, God. Oh, we love you. We thank you so much. Praise you for all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen.